Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. December the 3rd. Mike, we are into December now here on the Mike Abadir Show. Hope everyone had a nice Thanksgiving week. We had a week off here on the Mike Abadir Show, but everything in the world of sports continued on, Mike. We are into week 13 of the NFL and uh, an NFL season in, in a year like unlike any that we've we've experienced in sports, but the uh, the show goes on in the NFL. We we're coming off a Wednesday football game, so uh, just just craziness, and it feels weird that we're already into Week 13 and into December. It's absolutely bizarre. I can't believe that New Year's Eve is what like less than uh, 28 days away or whatnot. I mean, it's it's one of those years we'll, that we'll uh, all be was, happy to get out of 2020, though. Yeah, I think no most kidding, man. Will. Yeah. No kidding. Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of people that aren't super optimistic about 2021, but hey, we'll keep the good spirits and uh, try to will it to happen, which is to uh, have a better year. And I was actually thinking about that because, like you said, we are into the calendar month of December, which means that pitchers and catchers report, you know, in like what, a month and a half? Ah, that's maybe optimistic, like two months, you know, like December or February 13th, 14th, some, somewhere in that range. And we got to start talking about these. We're going to have to start talking about those, those issues once again. Fans, do they start spring training on time? Do they do it at a bubble? But we'll save that for another day. NBA you mentioned is like two and a half weeks away from from their season again. The Lakers yeah. play on the on the 22nd opening night against the Clippers, and then they play on the on Christmas Day against the Mavs, and they're going to have three or four preseason games before that. So they'll be playing games in like 10 days. 12, 11 yeah, those, days. Those are going to be like, like just normal home games at their home venues, right? Yeah, the preseason games are. And then as of right now, they got to travel. So they, they have to also sort of figure something out. There's no bubble set up for next season, which is, you know, some something that we, we've seen is worked very well in sports. And then as it's it's sports sort of like a microcosm of society, right? As the numbers have ticked back up for things, it seems like we've ticked back up in sports too, especially the sports that are... You know, like football where there are bigger rosters or a lot more people traveling around. It's a lot different than an NBA roster where you've got 12 or 13 guys and they're all locked in a bubble. Yeah, no doubt about that. You know, the other thing I was going to mention, too, is, you know, you you alluded to the uh, Wednesday game. That's a first for me. I've never seen a Wednesday NFL regular they, season. They said there game was before. one that was like in the early 2000s that was pushed back weather reasons things like that and, and that was a i think there was one other but yeah i don't, I don't remember no, that man. one but it may have been during the fires i know there was some cali or fires hurricane or something like that yeah hmm. maybe i I'll look, so I'll look, I, don't, I don't remember I remember seeing one before so check this out so obviously the the traditional days have been sunday and monday we've added thursday to the schedule this year we've had a couple of tuesday games and we just had our first wednesday game yeah, so we're gonna Tuesday we're gonna get, get through week, the I think. yeah we're gonna get through the Monday through fr- uh, Monday through Sunday schedule all the way through because December twenty fifth, which is Christmas Day, obviously, mm-hmm. is a Friday. Yeah, and the Saints and the Vikings play on on a Friday. I don't remember a Friday game before happening. And every year towards the end of the year, weeks six, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, they usually sprinkle in a couple of Saturday games. Once, once again, we have that. Too. Yeah, yeah. So we've got that in the schedule this this year too. So. 
we're going to have NFL every single day <laughs> of the week represented this year. It's like so. try telling your wives or girlfriends, like, well, there's an NFL game. Don't lie to me. I yeah, know no, there's I, one thing I know. They don't play football games on Wednesday nights, right? Like, and now, <laughs> oh, look, I swear, turn on the TV. It's on, you know? That's good. That, I mean, that's pretty much exactly what's going on. But, you know, I think for the most part, the NFL has done a pretty good job because remember a couple of months before the season started, we'd have these, you know, discussions, which sports are most likely, which sport is least likely to be able to go on with COVID and all that kind of stuff. And one of the reasons I was adamant that the NFL, no matter what would happen, is because we're, we're seeing it right now. I mean, I think that any other sport probably would have caved in to the public pressure on this particular game. But they were, uh, I'm talking about Pittsburgh and the Ravens game from yesterday, of course. They were so resolute. More tests are popping up every day positive. They're like, nope, we're, we're playing. Okay, fine, we'll move it to Tuesday. Okay, fine, we'll move I mean, it to Wednesday. And to their credit, the they got it in. And what What's just that? happened with the Broncos with I no know. quarterbacks. They had to bring up a practice They're just resolute. Yeah. They were just like, hey, the only thing about it that bothers me, and I think we do have uh, our, our buddy Rick who's going to join us in a second. The only re- re- thing that bothers me about it is is that like Tennessee feels like the team that never really got punished, whether it was having to play shorthanded uh, for what they did earlier in the season, they got their game pushed back. I've talked about it a few times here. Buffalo ended up getting screwed over there because Buffalo ended up having to move their schedule, get moved all around. And then they had to change when they played Tennessee and then Kansas City back to back right in a row. If you take that little stretch out of Buffalo, you know, they look really, really good. So I just w- for Denver, I understand they had to suffer. They, they said they wanted to make them suffer because they didn't follow the protocols. And even, I guess, with with uh, Baltimore, the same sort of thing, right? Like, they they kind of brought it upon themselves by not by not doing what they were supposed to. But but Tennessee was the one that got away with it. That, well, here's that's what the I'll one that bothers it, me. Well, here's what I'll tell you. And today we got a memo uh, from the NFLPA. They, or we, have had uh, kind of ongoing discussions with the NFL. And uh, this memo was about fines. Most of it was focused on on-field type stuff. It's an Article 46, but it crosses over into some of the other things that we're talking about. I guess what I'm trying to say to sum it up nice and neat is players are going to be dealt with. Teams are going to be dealt with. We already know that some teams are even going to lose draft picks. I think the Saints are one of them. The Raiders have been multiple infractors of not wearing masks. So I think what they're looking at is let's jam the season through as quickly as humanly possible and we'll address fines and punishment along the way. And that's kind of what I'm seeing. So I guess what I'm trying to say, I don't think anybody's going to skate totally free, but okay. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like you're and, saying, you know, yeah. Publicly and, at least uh, it doesn't seem like the, those who are kind of causing havoc are paying any kind of price, you know? No, no. And well, it, yeah, that, that's and and that's the thing. It's like with Denver, you feel bad for them, but it was like then and then they. It, it, I guess it's just a little bit of inconsistency because they didn't push the Denver game back at all, but they kept giving the the Pittsburgh Baltimore game a couple of extra days here to push back, and they pushed some back. But um, hey, they they're getting through this. I think the best that they can, and uh, we got Rick with us right uh, now. So yeah. Rick over. Rick, buddy, one of our best friends of the show here from from day one. What what are you overall like? What grade or what uh what are you giving the NFL for how they've 
they've done so far with this season in this COVID era. And we're seeing a lot more pop things pop up in the last few weeks with positive tests, games having to be moved around. You know, this weekend we talked about the Denver situation, the Baltimore situation. Where do you stand with all of this? Hey, what's happening, fellas? And, uh, you know, so many uh, things that discuss so many hot takes that I have. Uh, I will say, hey, I give the NFL an A++++. Uh, you know, last week was a league-high 72 positives. That was still only, I think, 2.3% of the NFL population when you factor in all the staff. So, you know, it, it's a very low number. And, and when you have a $75 million budget to do multiple COVID tests, if needed, um, that's what you're seeing here. And, and, and to the Titans' defense, I agree with you. They're, they're, they created this mess, and because of them, you know, they then implemented the NFL and the NFLPA did that you must keep all surveillance cameras for 30 days. So that was implemented after the Titans fiasco. And then, you know, with the Broncos, they turned themselves in. So they turned into surveillance cameras of their quarterbacks hanging out, eating lunch with no masks on, standing around at practice with no masks on. So I I actually don't feel bad for the Broncos at all. I feel bad for the Denver Broncos for having an unprepared coach because a lot of teams, most all teams, have a quarantine quarterback. And the Broncos did not. They got caught with their pants down. And I think that's really what the conversation should be about is why didn't you have a quarantine quarterback? Because if I know that you should, why don't you know that you should? Fair point. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Great point. No, that's it. That's that's it right there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, most teams do have an escape plan. The plan B, a plan C, all lined up. There's expanded practice squads. They all have a means to go about it. And, and then, on top and of that, teams I mean, like some the Chargers teams even who got, don't even have a game plan. <laughs> well, so, yeah, so, and, you know. So, so well, on top of that, it just look depends at, like, on the, the organization, you know, like he's saying, well, yeah. Well, I mean, look at the Saints. They went ahead and they had their quarterback of the future, they think, in Taysom Hill. But what do they do? They get Jameis Winston, right? I mean, that's, that's all a, a part of preparation and being deep and being ready and being able to kind of make things happen. But, Rick, let's – um. Let's talk about another quarterback situation for a second in your neck of the woods. Report today comes out that Adam Gase, who is by far my favorite NFL head coach, anybody who listens to the show knows that's the exact opposite of my sentiment. He came out and he said, we haven't really done a good job in getting Sam Darnold prepared or preparation to improve. What, What are your thoughts about that? I mean, that's kind He's of a right. strange addition to make right now. <laughs> He's right. Well, first of all, let's get it right. It's Adam Fugazi, okay? And I say this because, you know, he got caught lying to the media, and Rich Samini, who's as good as it gets, called him out. Oh, on it was the Zoom great. Call. It was great. You know, and it's like, hey, <laughs> we, we had a camera on Don't Lock. Like, like, he, he didn't you. even do anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 what are you talking about? Oh, well, you know, hey, maybe it was. Oh, well, hey, you got me. <laughs> so I think, you know, here's a situation where I think he was trying to save faith and take accountability after getting blasted for, for you know, not taking 
accountability. And hey, at the end of the day, there's a really it's the worst kept secret in football. The guy's dead man walking, right? He's, he's going to be on the unemployment line after the season. So it's not like he's riding in a pink slip out of town. It's already waiting for him on Black Monday. I don't even know how he got the job in the first place, but that's a whole well, Peyton, another it's Peyton, story, right? It's it's all been because of Peyton. Is is that he, he's that's been his calling card? That's what he's been able to ride forever. And it's it's one thing to be sitting next to someone that's one of the greatest all time. Um, it makes your job a, a much easier. It's different every situation he's been where he's been having to make guys. Mike, the team that you hated a few years ago that you talked about, or the team that you liked, but you just hated that he he was the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And you look at all those players from that team and where they've gone and how they've done in other places after him, and they've all been successful like everywhere else they've gone. They've all looked like pro bowlers everywhere. I mean, starting with Tannehill all the way down the list. Um, I, it's, I think it's just to the point where they know that it it's doing them better to keep him because he helps them lose games more than than if they were to just have an interim coach who is even half competent because then it, it would it could possibly get them uh, away from the, the first the number one overall pick which they are still in the driver's seat right now as long as the Jags keep losing well I think you got to understand too like Adam Gase is responsible for bringing Joe Douglas into the building like he's the one that kind of recommended him for that job so imagine if you're Joe Douglas the situation that you're in because it's like you know, and you see a lot of this now around the league where, you know, hey, Adam Gase was there, McCagan gets fired. Okay, they bring in, you know, he, he kind of recommends Joe Douglas. And now, like, you know, Joe Douglas is like, hey, I, I, I've either got to, you know, detach myself from this dumpster fire, right, or support my guy that brought me in and go down with the, the ship that, you know, that's sinking because, you know, if he does stand by Adam Gates, well, then, hey, Joe Douglas, you might be out the door, too. You know, this uh, this kind of brings another thought to mind, guys, which is I read a very interesting article earlier today. It was on ESPN.com, and it was written by Ivan Mizell. And the gist of the article was we're talking about head coaches, uh, he was looking at it from the collegiate perspective, and he was saying that in 1987, uh, you know, this is before Saban was a head coach. Mac Brown only had 11 career victories at that point. Uh, there was really poor racial diversity amongst major college football head coaches. And at one point, there was three, and they got, all got fired. So there was a period of time there where there was zero zero black head coaches when 50% of college football players are black. So kind of transitioning to this, but going back and forth, you mentioned Joe Douglas, who's not going to fill those shoes. I mean, we keep hearing B enemy, but the knock has been, you know, doesn't call his own plays. You know, Andy Reid takes control of that. But the enemy is a fantastic well, I think, offensive I think, coordinator. I think the enemy is more. Well, I think that you got to be careful now because if, if, if you remember when, when the Lions hired Matt Patricia, right, and they didn't do their due diligence on the background that 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 first day of the press conference, right, he was answering all kinds of questions about his past. And I think you know when you when you hear about the interview process with the enemy and, and some of the things there. 
you know, beneath the surface. And I'm not just talking about the stuff that has been reported. I'm talking about the stuff that hasn't been reported. You, you got to be careful there now because now, now you might have a PR crisis. And, you know, we're, we're not talking about a foot fetish here. If you get hired by the New York Jets or a mainstream media market, all of a sudden, your your first day, you know, just go ask Adam Fugazi his first press conference. It didn't go too well. That's not the kind of start you want to get off to. And, and I will say this about the, 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 divers, the diversity rule. I, I think is complete nonsense. I mean, what a what a part of my language ass backwards rule. So you're telling me you're talking about the Rooney rule. If I, no, no, no. This is the new rule now. So if, if you were to hire Eric the enemy, for example. The Chiefs now get rewarded two third-round picks in each of the following next two drafts. And, and the NFL seems to think this is going to incentivize uh, you know, minority hirings. Well, if I'm the Chargers and I'm looking for a coach, why now then <laughs> am I going to give my division rival two additional third-round picks for hiring, I, I just think it defeats the purpose. I think wait, they wait, wait, wait a second. Shouldn't it be? Shouldn't it be? You get a draft pick. If, you know, like we're gonna yeah, like incentivize right. you for doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, just, I, mean, I, I don't uh, get it. I think they. But you see, the Rooney Rule was flawed too, though, Rick. Yeah. No, the yeah, Rooney I mean, Rule was sure. severely flawed. I mean, it was basically a. Uh, I don't know an exercise to get somebody into the building and I guess maybe give them interview experience. But I don't know about you guys. I don't like going to an interview. If I know for sure, I'm not getting the job. Yeah, it was all, well, I mean, it was all for show. Yeah. It, 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 it got to be that way, but it also uncovered a gem and Mike, Mike Tomlin would have never had an opportunity if not. Right. So, you know, I, I get it. I, I don't think either one of those uh, scenarios is the right path to go i just think that you know again like imagine if you if you want to hire eric the enemy who actually played for the chargers right they're going to be looking for a new head coach like i actually think it deters them from wanting to hire him but i think you got to be careful there you know with the enemy uh what's in the past there's some things there you got to be careful i think the one hot name that that's kind of emerging that would be interesting like if he brought a wade phillips with him type of deal uh, would be Joe Brady in Carolina, who is now huh, only 31 years old. But you look around the league, the success McVay has had, the success uh, Kingsbury's now having, and everybody wants to find that next guy. You look at what Joe Brady did with the Saints, what he did with the LSU team, and now with Carolina. I mean, he's, he's got P.J. Walker winging it and slinging it around a, of XL, XFL fame. I mean, he's doing an incredible job, and, and that would be an interesting one. Yeah, that sure would be. You know, I mean, look, and I'll, I'll leave it at this when it comes to enemy. The players say glowing things about him. I've, I've had a couple of clients that um, have played for him, even teammates with him, and everybody has great things to say. I think the strange thing about the NFL and about the media, and I know it's much enhanced in New York, is this. It's not an issue. His pass isn't an issue right now, and he's got a job in the NFL. Why would it be just because he changes teams? You know, I know it's not a lateral move, but do you see what I'm saying? Like, why is it now an issue versus not then? Well, we kind of we, we talked about it on our morning show today. Like in politics, you know, you're you're you know you're uh, 
in the Senate or your mayor or your, you know, governor and you're kind of under the radar, but then, hey, once you kind of toss your ring and you know, toss your hat into the presidential run, like, hey, now people are vetting you and going into your background and looking deep into your past and, uh, you know, like the Rex Ryan, like you, you've always got that reporter digging around and like, you know, the Rex Ryan thing, you know, it's like, hey, somebody went and found his burner account where he's, you know, got feet fetish. It's just like, you know, I, I think when you become the head coach, right, that's that's what tends to happen. And shame on the Lions, again, because, you know, they actually hired a search firm when they hired Matt Patricia. So I'm sure they they paid a pretty penny, and they all missed it. The, 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 the search firm missed it. The organization missed it. And I think, you know, at the end of the day, nobody wants to have egg on their face. Well, uh, Rick, do you have a few minutes to hang with us until after the commercial break? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, because, uh, you know, uh, I guess one more thing as we get into the commercial here is when you look at the college ranks, you know, you're looking for maybe, I don't know, that whiz guy, you know, a Spurrier offense or 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 maybe, I mean, I know Saban and Spurrier and guys like that didn't transition to the NFL very well. Other guys Campbell have. is kind of one of the hot names that you hear talking yeah, on right now, too. But, but when you look at, like, the... The, the black head coaches, the SEC, zero. Big 12, zero. The ACC, one. Pac-12, obviously West Coast, a little bit more, um, I don't know, open-minded or that's the word. Pac-12's got five. But those other three co- big conferences, one between them. I don't really see this uh, at least being fixed via the college ranks. Everyone stay with us. We'll be right back after a quick message. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show with Rick Saratella talking to everything NFL. And um, Mike, uh, 
you you kind of mentioned right when when we started talking about the the quarterback situation uh, and uh, the coaching situations in some different places I was kind of just jotting down a list and and something that we can kind of wrap on if you if you go there there are some excellent quarterbacks in the league right now but as would be expected during week 13 we have a couple teams that have their quarterbacks banged up even the teams that have had quarterbacks that have played really well like the bills with josh allen and the cardinals with kyler murray you go team by team you got the Bengals that are starting Brandon Allen. You got the Jags are going to be starting Mike Glennon. The Jets are going to be starting Sam Darnold, who Mike just mentioned. They don't even know what they have with him, and they haven't prepared him. The Giants are going to be starting Colt McCoy. He's 7-21 and against the spread, which is the worst all-time as an NFL starter. The Eagles might have the worst quarterback in the league right now with Carson Wentz, who leads the league in fumbles, sacks, and interceptions. The Broncos, I guess, are starting Locke if he's back, but last week they had no quarterback. The Cowboys are with Dalton. The 49ers are starting Mullins and maybe Beathard plays here and there. Washington's down to their third quarterback, who's actually probably been their best quarterback of the season. Cam Newton's been awful for the Pats. The Ravens just played without Lamar. The Saints are starting Taysom Hill. Dolphins have gone back and forth between Tua and Fitz. The Bears don't know what to do with Foles and Trubisky. I mean, that's a ton of the league. When you when you lay it out like that, it's out, I mean, I was like, who's left? You know? Uh, yeah, that that's unbelievable. That's really unbelievable. It kind of shows you, though, um, you know, props to the guys like uh, Carr and, um, you know, the guys that have that have been there and are having good seasons. I, I've always felt that Carr is a little bit underrated. I think this year, Definitely especially, he's year. underrated. But, you know, like you said, though, the quarterback situations are uh, kind of in flux around the league. And you know what's interesting to me? You mentioned Washington. You said their number three has probably played the best. Last time we had Rick on was 10 weeks ago. It was after week two, heading into week three. Got to give you props, Rick, because you were very high on the Washington defense. I think for the most part, they have been uh, more than satisfactory. I think they've done a good job. They've really bailed out their offense. I know they got that great rookie running back there. But one thing I was going to ask you about, because you had very um, flattering remarks about Dwayne Haskin. Now, at this point, how do you feel, speaking of quarterbacks, is that a failure? Do you move on from him like the Cardinals with Rosen and Kyler Murray? Um, You know, kind of like Gino mentioned, the, the quarterback situations are more fluid than ever before in the NFL. And I think that also comes with the patience or lack of when it comes to quarterbacks. What what are your thoughts in D.C.? Are they going to be quarterback hunting once again? Yeah, I mean, you've got to move on, right? I mean, and, and, and the new CBA that kicked in after, you know, I think Sam Bradford was the last quarterback to kind of commit that salary cap murder. You know, if you took a, a, a quarterback in round one and he went bust, it basically set you back five years. And now, you know, with the new infrastructure, like, hey, you can move on from a guy and, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're not in salary cap purgatory, right? So, you know, at this point, a change of environment, if he is ever going to succeed, and I'll tell you this, because of Dwayne Haskins, because of Mitchell Trubisky, because of, Mark Sanchez. I mean, there's there, there, there's just never a, a first round or, or you know a first round guy with just one year starting experience. I won't do it. I can't do it. And that's why, you know, the North Dakota State kid Trey Lance, like one season of experience, 
it just doesn't pan out at the next level. You can't give me one guy that it's actually worked for. And so now I have, you know, kind of. What about Jamarcus Russell? From... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, mean, I, I was go. getting I there, mean... obviously, but another LSU guy. Burrow might be the kind of yeah. the exception, but he was a little bit older, too, though. I mean, he, well, no, had he started, some... though. He started the year before last year. Like, he just kind of exploded with the new, like, Joe Bright, like we mentioned, Joe Brady came fair, and changed it yep. to a spread system. But he did start that year before, so he had two seasons. You are correct. That's an interesting point. That's a very interesting point. And I think, uh, you know, we've talked about it. We've gone through uh, three drafts uh, with this show, and most of them, I think, have involved you, Rick, at some point. The quarterback position as a, as a draft pick as a whole you know, when you look at the data, it's it's more than just a crapshoot. I mean, overall, it's a failure. It's a failing proposition. I mean, I think the number is like 18% of them that are drafted in the first or second round are starting a game after their third year. I mean, that's an extremely low percentage. I mean, that's less well, than I one out of every five guys. You know, pretty much that's your first round, right? Five quarterbacks, mm-hmm. sometimes maybe three and two early second round picks or something like that. But that's a very low percentage that they're starting games after the third year. And yeah, thank God no, for that good. that change in in the CBA. The rookie pool was ridiculous. Oh, yeah, I mean, hey, God bless for that because it, it was really putting teams in a bind. And you know, I, I I think at the end of the day, Alex Smith he's done such a good job grooming. <laughs> Colin Kaepernick and Patrick Mahomes and you know I did the the mock draft the other day and I did you know one through seven and somebody said you know I guess it was a Redskins fan they're like hey who do you got for the eighth pick I said well there's six teams that are four and seven they're like hey pretend it's the Redskins I said hey I guess that's where you know Zach Wilson meets (laughs) Washington football team because uh you know Alex Smith has just been this great kind of QB mentor. So it, it just makes sense at this point. And, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks, again, pushed up the board, coming off the board early. And uh, you talk about the Lawrence and, and Justin Fields. I think Fields has closed the gap. And then you, fa- you factor in that Trevor Lawrence had the COVID. So, you know, has he ever really been through a thorough medical evaluation like the one he's going to get put through in in, in Indianapolis and what might be there. And so I think, you know, I think the whole draft is still to be determined in this crazy COVID world we're living in. Do they go one, two? Or those just the first two quarterbacks that come off the board? Obviously, Trevor. Yeah, I I think if the draft draft was tomorrow, I think Lawrence and Fields are one and two, no doubt about it. Funny, we just talk about the quarterbacks and the failure rate, <laughs> but we get right back to hey, yeah, they're they're one too. Not oh, not that's offense, fine. You know? and, and honestly, uh, Rick, like so, and you you just mentioned the differences, but like Lawrence is one that you we've been talking about for the last couple of years. This is someone that people have maybe for a year or two kind of been positioning themselves to take this guy. Does he stack up with all of the, you know? awesome prospects that have come out that you've had? Is he, is he that high? 
You know, I got asked this question on the previous show I did today, and I would say, and the question was posed to me this way, is he the best quarterback since Andrew Luck? And I think that's a fair assessment, right? Is he the best quarterback since Andrew Luck? I would say that's fair. Is he as good as Andrew Luck? I would say no way. I just don't see that. And so, you know, I still think you're getting a very good quarterback, a guy that can make all the throws. This guy's cool as a cucumber, man. I mean, he just – have you ever seen Trevor Lawrence rattle? And no. all he does is win. Like, he never lost a game in, in four years. He's a smart school, guy, too. You, you hear him talk, and he's very smart. Like, he's got a good head on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think you make I mean, an excellent point, Rick. Yeah, I mean, I think you make an excellent point in, in the in the comps that you're looking at. Not that they're comps in terms of style of play or size or arm strength or whatnot, but really kind of – in uh, in the last 25 years, the two most like surefire this guy is gonna be a Pro Bowler, if not Hall of Fame quarterbacks, have been Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. Colts mm-hmm. being beneficiaries on both ends of that, and yeah, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is in that box. No, I would agree, but you're getting a very good quarterback, and I think you know with Trevor Lawrence. Like, he came out of the gate like gangbusters, right? So now he's been at the top of the mountain for so long, and now he knows what the media likes to do. They they love to build you up so they can tear you down. And I think, you know, once you get to the mountaintop, well, hey, now he's been up there so long, it's like, hey, now you're under the microscope. Now we're going to look for any work we can and just kind of over-exaggerate. And I think that's kind of where we are with Trevor Lawrence, but I mean, you know, he he can start for my team any day. And I think when you look around the league and you talk about all that mediocre quarterback play and really a lot of aging quarterbacks, right? The the quarterback landscape is really going to transcend in the next two or three years. And we've already begun to see the evolution of the quarterback. On that group I mentioned, I didn't even mention Brady or Phillip Rivers even, who they don't have long shelf life's left, you know? And then Breeze obviously would be in the mix with with New Orleans. Yeah, you know? Even Rodgers, he's not going to be around forever. Yeah, well, Well, let me ask you, let me get your take on this then, Rick. Yeah, I mean, no, you're absolutely right. And so let me get your take on this. And this is an interesting player because we had discussions about him uh, one season, and they were very different heading into the NFL draft, and I'm talking about Tua. Obviously, there was a lot of excitement from the very first time he stepped into the, uh, you know, uh, relief pitcher role in the national championship game all the way until the point where he got drafted and in between where he gets injured. Now that we've seen a few games from him, is he the Dolphins' future quarterback? To me, I kind of almost sense that Flores and company got what they wanted, which is a look, a real extensive look. They got some wins out of it. The defense stepped it up. I don't know. I just feel that they might be, uh, you know, hey, let's not rush him back. Let's keep keep Fitz magic in there. And that maybe if they were super excited about Tua, that they would maybe pull, push a little bit harder. Is that a fair assessment or am I looking too deeply for a storyline? I think Brian Flores is a very competitive guy, and I think that with the Tua situation, they're kind of handling it with, with kid gloves. Because, I mean, 
he was medically cleared to begin the season, right? And that was the big thing, like, oh, well, he's never actually been tackled. And it's like, all right, well, you know, I, I think what you see here with the Dolphins is they've done a wonderful job of kind of rebuilding on the fly and, I mean, you know, being competitive. I mean, they're 7-4, and four, and you look at this past week, like, you know, I, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick <laughs> just had to be chuckling inside like a giddy little kid. Like, hey, you, you kicked me to the curb for this guy, Sam Donald, <laughs> you know? And and Adam Gase standing there on, on the other end of the sideline like, hey, you know, I just got my ass kicked by my old team with, <laughs> with the quarterback we threw to the curb. And what a redemption story for Ryan Fitzpatrick, even if it was for one game. I mean, he had to at least uh, went home and felt good about himself and popped over, over a, a bottle of wine there that night. Well, absolutely. And look, if you, if you look at the week before against the Broncos – you know, Fitz entered the game really late. Uh, first drive gets a scoring drive out of it. Second drive, you know, they only had seconds left on the clock. He, you know, gets them down the field a little bit, then throws a, you know, an interception that really does shouldn't go on the stat sheet even. And then you have this game against the Jets. I guess what I'm suggesting is, uh, if I'm them, I probably keep keep with the hot hand. To be honest with you. It's interesting because Gino and I talked to the Dolphins beat writer right before, during that that bye week. Remember, Gino, we talked to Josh Tolentino from The Athletic. And the way he was raving about Tua, I mean, it was so much that I even picked him up on my fantasy team as a (laughs) fact. Right? I mean, I was really sold on what he was saying. But now, when I look at my notes on him, I see that he doesn't have any touch on the short passes. He's got very poor pocket presence. He's kind of got happy feet a little bit. He gets sacked far too much. And I think ultimately that's going to lead to a lot of fumbles. I don't know. Needs more seasoning. With their so draft what you're describing capital, is a rookie quarterback. <laughs> well, that's true. But I mean, I don't know. You know what? I sometimes I, I'm like, you know what? Does does the lefty thing come into the equation? Well, let me let me just say this. I don't think he looked just from a from an eye test, and and who knows? There's a lot of reasons why. But if I'm just comparing him to the other two rookie quarterbacks that we saw this year, and they didn't win the games because they they may have not been in, in as good of situations there. I think Miami has a, a pretty good defense and a pretty good coaching staff over there. Not really the the same can be said for Joe Burrow, who had an awful offensive line. And then you had uh, Herbert, who's been incredible. So I think that's what's kind of hurt Tua also, is that the other two guys have looked so good. Yeah, but I mean, is Justin Herbert winning? Like, he looks great, don't get me wrong. No, and I, I think that's because of Anthony Lynn. <laughs> I, I well, think that the, I mean, it, it will find out soon. Well, hey, listen, Herbert's got weapons to throw to. to a, sure, and that, listen, that's very it, true. That's very fair. And, and it doesn't look pretty, but at the end of the day, would, would you rather have an ugly W or, or a pretty-ass quarterback to lose? You know, and I'm, listen, I'm not, saying, I'm not sitting here trying to say two is better than Herbert, but what I'm saying is he came in and you've got to factor in the X factor, the it factor, the intangibles factor, which is what? Everybody around the team played energized like they played with a renowned energy that you didn't see there with Fitzpatrick and I think that's what Tua brings to the table is I think the ceiling is a little bit higher 
you know what you're getting with Fitzpatrick. And sometimes it's Fitzmagic, and, and sometimes it's Fitztragic. But, you know, but, you know uh, I think Rick, at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rick, I look, first of all, we're talking to Rick Saratella of the NFL Draft Bible. Just want to remind the listeners of that. He's the best in the business. And I probably agree with you 99 out of 100 times, Rick. And your analysis kicks my analysis is but 100 out of 100 times. But this is where I disagree a little bit in that they were winning before Tua stepped onto the field. So kind of like Gino was saying, I mean, he kind of got inserted into a pretty decent situation. You know, the defense was really hot at that time when he got into the games. And I don't think he won any games because of the Dolphins. I don't think the Dolphins won any games because of Tua. And in fact, I think they won less pretty than when Fitz was starting. And look, everybody out there, I'm not at all saying that he's a bust. I'm not at all saying that they should use their draft picks on a quarterback next year. But hey, if you've noticed the theme of this show, quarterback fluidity, moving off of guys pretty quickly. The one thing that he's got in his advantage is a stable coaching staff. It's not one of those things where you're going to have a whole new coaching staff and general manager and they want to bring in their guy. So I think that's probably the best thing that he's got going for him. I was just wondering your expert evaluation and how it shakes up compares to your evaluation going into this season. Rick, I asked you before, I'll ask again. Do you got a few minutes to stay with us after this commercial break? Yeah, of course, brother. You got it. That's Rick Saratello, the NFL Draft Bible. He will let you know where to check him out right after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Finishing up here with the Rick Saratella NFL Draft Bible and the Rick we were talking all about quarterbacks, coaches. We've bounced all around the NFL. But I think one thing like you and I and Mike were talking about during the break is the, the short lifespan that a lot of these quarterbacks are given nowadays and the turnover. I, I would I would play with a lot of these 
young guys that felt like they were in a bad situation. And if I was a team like the Colts, who feels like they've got a good foundation there, and maybe they are looking for a quarterback soon, who knows, even Tampa as the next guy behind Brady, I'd be looking for maybe a Darnold or someone like that who feels like they might have not gotten their fair shake yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, the Jets are – Ready to move on from Darnold? You saw Josh Rosen had a, a short lifespan. Haskins, I mean, he's out of there. I don't even think he got a full sixteen games to start and prove no. himself. But you know, it's like we're moving on. Daniel Jones, he's on the hot seat now, and you know, it's not that I necessarily, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. But it's like, hey, there used to be a time where you know you said, hey, give a guy three seasons, and, and, and you know, then make a determination. Now it's the NFL. Like, even with the head coach, you see, like, hey, if you don't turn it around in, like, two, three years, you're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no there's no program building. Like, like, like and because it happens, like, you always, you always see every year, like, a, there's always a team that goes from worst to first. And so, like, owners figure, like, hey, well, why can't that be us? And, <laughs> like, we, we mentioned Adam Gates. I mean, he's out of here. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is that, with these guys being kind of evaluated and decided on much quicker than ever before, I kind of have a suggestion. A lot of these guys played baseball. They were pitchers. It would be really interesting to see if somebody that's like young and and has had only like a year or two or somebody like Rosen, you know, somebody that's not even 25 yet decides, Hey, if Kyler Murray can go from baseball to football as a quarterback, why couldn't a quarterback go from football to baseball? That would be my suggestion for some of these guys that are either it's been determined that they're a clip holder for the rest of their careers or can't find a job. Give it a shot. you got the arm strength, right? So speaking of which, though, evaluation. Tim Tebow feels you. (laughs) Well, yeah, (laughs) that's true. But he did it when he was like 30, and he couldn't hit or field or throw. But uh, (laughs) speaking of evaluations on guys, where can we find your evaluations? I wanted to make sure to uh, let the listeners know we're talking about Fields. <clears throat> Excuse me. We're talking about Trevor Lawrence. We're talking about uh, a pretty good, once again, a draft class when it comes to some of the defensive players especially. Give us the rundown. Where can we check out your work and what shows are you currently working on? So NFLDraftBible.com, we have a new website coming where all of our scouting reports are now going to be available online, so you don't have to wait for the publication. And so, you know, we're going to have a great, big, grandiose announcement coming soon. I can't wait to, to really just launch that one. But, you know, the best way to follow everything we do is, is on the Twitterverse, at NFLDraftBible, which is our handle across all the social media platforms. We've got a great morning show, the State of Football Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. I know it's a little bit early for you guys on the West Coast, but you can always catch the replay. And we, we are bringing you, like, really great guests. Today, for example, we had Dane Vandernat on from the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, which I'm involved with. Then we had Jeff Benedict on from, uh, you know, New York Times best-selling author talking about the Dynasty, the new Patriots book, which I highly recommend, fellas, one of the best, books I've ever read, okay, the detail and the stories that haven't been told in here are phenomenal, 
And we had our guy, Neil Stratton, from inside the league, you know, hitting us with the industry insider news and the front office talk. And that's just the, that's just the Thursday, <laughs> you know. And so we do this every day. And you, has he given week. you a promo code, a promo, uh, the, the NFL Draft Bible promo code, so that I could get Neil's product for a little bit cheaper? You know, if you, if you subscribe uh, all access on the NFL Draft Bible website, we will send you a copy of a Stubb Speaks book that Neil just published. And so we did have a promo code that just expired. If you follow us on Twitter, we'll create a new one for all of our listening audience here tonight. But um, like I said, guys, there's going to be a major announcement coming through. We're we're taking our platform to the mainstream media, and and I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to announce it. And, you know, Draft Bible is really going to get what they deserve because now we've got a network of 50 contributors across the country and we're going to bring you all of our, you know, scouting reports, analysis, rankings, mock drafts, everything you could imagine. If you're a draft Nick, if you're a draft fan, uh, we got you covered front to back, north to south, east to west. Spread love some, and it's always fun coming on to top it up because you know I'm a Rutgers guy, I'm a Jersey guy, so I always bring out the axe, and we're chopping wood here. And we're fencing the garden, so watch out there on the college football level. Rutgers is going to take over and beat Penn State <laughs> this weekend. You heard it here first. Wow. Okay, there it is. And we're going to get your NFL picks in a quick second here. I did have a couple of college football matters that I wanted to talk to you about. And you mentioned already the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, which you're a part of. Congratulations on that. What's what's the state of the union as it relates to college football all-star games? Obviously, the three prominent ones being the East-West Shrine game and the Senior Bowl and, of course, your game, the NFLPA game. What is, what is kind of the state of the union? How are they handling invitations? What does an invitation mean? And is there going to be a game actually played and a week of practices leading up to it? Or is there an alternative that you guys have already decided on? Uh, well, let's break some news on the Mike Abadir show, shall let's we? Let's do it. I mean, <laughs> you know, let's, you know, and, you know, I'll be happy to talk about the NFLPA Collegian Bowl as much as I can. But what I'm hearing out of Mobile is, you know, Jim Nagy, who does a great job. He had his uh, teleconference call a couple weeks back with all 32 teams. He kind of, you know, on that call asked, the owners to kind of pony up to help offset some of the costs because to do the senior bowl and to execute it this year, it's going to have to be a two week deal. So quarantining is a real thing, something they have to do, something they have to abide by and it costs money. And so I think the NFL kind of turned their noses up at that. We're kind of turned off by it. And so now, you know, I've been able to confirm with multiple sources, uh, the Senior Bowl is limiting the amount of staff that will be allowed per team, and I think it's going to be somewhere between three to four representatives per organization as wow. opposed to 30. Um, and, and, and if you do want to attend, part of the deal is, from my understanding, you, the team has to buy a luxury box to help offset the COVID testing. And so the other thing I'm hearing from very prominent agents within the uh, agent community is, you know, the guys that hire, you know, represent these higher profile clients, they just don't think it's worth the risk. You know, the risk reward benefit for, for these first round guys 
and even the second and day two guys, I just don't think you're going to see it this year. And so I think what you're seeing is a lot of kind of untraditional invitations. And what I mean by that is, you know, as opposed to where you're, you're used to seeing, you know, the, the, the top 100 guys get invites, you're seeing now day three borderline PFA guys on my board anyway. Maybe, maybe they know something I don't. And so to me that tells me like, hey, maybe they know something we don't. Maybe this is a foreshadowing of, you know, the reality of not being able to execute an event because I'll tell you this, fellas, we're not doing an NFL PA Bowl game. Because, one, the logistics are a nightmare in California. Two, the costs are astronomical. Three, the legalities are really risky. And I'll tell you what, if, if the Senior Bowl does go off, and God forbid you have a spring league kind of situation that occurs, yeah. Not only be, are they going to be dealing with losses, but the combine, which again, let's break some news. I've understood that there's legitimate concerns surrounding like what that's going to look like because yeah. now. And hey, bringing... Rick, we got to wrap the show, but it sounds like a lot of these oh, things man. are in flux. And I apologize to cut you off really quick yeah, because we got course. about a minute left before An we got to end power. this thing. Yeah, I mean, this is power yeah. hour, and we got through it faster than I would have liked to. <laughs> Gino, uh, 3-0 and right before the Thanksgiving break. Do you have any picks for this week? Uh, there's one game that I really like this week. It's the Browns. They're at plus uh, five and a half right now. You look at Tennessee's games the last couple of weeks. Henry's been running great, right? Go look at the game against the the Baltimore Ravens. They were missing Calais Campbell and a couple defensive starters right at the middle. Last week, the Colts had a ton of injuries, and they were missing Buckner and key starters right up the middle. They were able to run all over them. I think the Colts, would pick with Garrett coming back this week, they'll be able to run the ball with uh, – I think that with Garrett coming back this week for the Browns, they're going to be able to run the ball with them and go back and forth. That's going to be my play this week that I like, the Browns. You might be able to find it at plus six uh, out there. It's at five and a half in most spots. I got three games. I'll give them to you real quick. Lions plus three, Texans plus three, Arizona, Cardinals plus three. Rick, do you have one in five seconds? Seattle, lock of the week by 20. There you have it, guys. Thank you so much, Rick. You always deliver. We kept you on for the full hour, even though it's supposed to be 15 minutes because once we (laughs) got you, we can't let you go, brother. Thank you so much. Love you, fellas. Appreciate it. Listeners, check out the NFL Draft Bible. That's all the time we have. Thank you for listening, as always. Have a tremendous sports weekend. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.